uh, I'm really excited about this message, and I'm kind of happy that we get to share it in this kind of intimate setting. We're in this series that's all about the best advice I ever got, and I'm going to share with you some of the best advice I got for giving and receiving correction. And you guys are going to get a a bonus bonus content by showing up in person because I thought of this illustration after Kent and I recorded on Friday morning. So I have here a nut and bolt. I have a screw, and I have a monster nail. Okay, so three different things, and I also have three different tools. I have the screwdriver, I have a hammer, and I have, I'm having a mental block, what's this called? A wrench. <laughs> I wanted to say ratchet, I knew that but might not be right. Okay, so uh, now, obviously, I could, if I had a nail, I could try to drive it with the screwdriver. Not going to work that great because each tool goes with a particular type of implement, right? A particular, what, what would you call that? Hardware. Um, so when you are faced with a particular job, you need the right tool depending on what the hardware is that you're trying to interact with. And when in relationships, there are times when we have to give correction, when we have to deal with issues, we need to resolve problems. And most of us tend to approach that in the same way that we would like people to approach us and what would work with us because, excuse me, we assume that people are going to respond like we do. But that's not always the case. And in fact, if you look at your bulletin growth guide, you see there the first quote there, what works with you won't necessarily work on people who are not you because they may not be like you. You like that? <laughs> so it doesn't always work. What we assume is, and most of you, are wise, and that's the first type of person that we're going to talk to, a wise uh, person, talk about, a wise person, when they are corrected, when somebody points out something that needs to change or an issue that needs to be addressed, it might not feel great, but they generally are going to receive it because you want to get better. You want to know if there's a problem. You want to know if there's a problem in the relationship. You want to know if there's a problem with the way that you're doing your job the way that you're handling your work, whatever the case may be. And so you're, it might not feel great, but you're generally going to welcome it because you are a wise person. And so you assume that when you deal with other people, all you have to do is have a talk. That you can just point something out and say, look, this is what's going on. This is what needs to adjust. This is, a con this is what happens when this happens. So let's work on it together. And you assume that they're going to just respond that way. However, that's not always the case. In, in, and you've probably experienced this frustration where you bring up an issue with somebody and they might 
be angry. They might be really receptive, but that doesn't matter because the issue doesn't change. And so you come back and you have another talk and you talk through it and point it out again and say, we'd really like to, okay, yep, great, let's do that. And then it goes on and nothing changes. And you start getting frustrated because you keep talking and keep talking and keep talking and keep talking and nothing changes in the situation, in the relationship because you're using the tool that would work with you, but that other person is not you. And so it might not work on that person because you're dealing with people who are not like you. So I first encountered this advice when I went to uh, a leadership summit, which is a training summit that we have gone to as a church in times past, and this was quite a while ago. And the guy who gave this talk was Dr. Henry Cloud. Some of you will probably have heard of, of Henry Cloud because he is an author and speaker. He wrote, uh, his best known book is a book called Boundaries, and it's actually turned into a series of books. This one's called Boundaries for Leaders, and it's all about how in relationships, boundaries is the, the basic premise, when to say yes and when to say no. If you're going to have healthy a healthy life and a healthy relationship, then you need to set appropriate boundaries. Well, he gave this talk at the Leadership Summit, which I think it was before this book came out, so it became a chapter in this book called Necessary Endings. Necessary Endings. And the subtitle is The Employees, Businesses, and Relationships That All of Us Have to Give Up in Order to Move Forward. And in this book, he has a chapter on three different types of people and how you approach correction with different types of people because you have to use the right tool depending on the type of person that you're dealing with and the frustration that you've experienced in relationships when you're trying to correct things and it doesn't get corrected is because you're dealing with a different kind of person and you just might be using the wrong tool. Now, he makes the point, Henry Cloud does, that, uh, that this is, these are findings that have been supported by a lot of research, and depending on what, you know, whether you're talking to a psychologist or a preacher, you, they might be using different words, but all of these concepts they've, they've found, and he uses the biblical categories of the wise person, the foolish person, and the evil person. The wise person, the foolish person, and the evil person. And part of what distinguishes them, and these are characters, these are characteristics that are found in the Proverbs, what distinguishes them, among other things, is how they respond to correction. And so since they respond differently to correction, you need to use a different approach with different kinds of people. And this will help you, whether it's you're talking about your work situation, your family situation, parenting, school, whatever the case. Anytime you have to address an issue and give correction, it's helpful to figure out what kind of person you're dealing with or more accurately, what kind of behavior. Because all of us have exhibited one or more of these kinds of behavior at different times in our life. So you might be dealing with, uh, you, you have to, to discern what kind of response they're going to give. When you see that, then you know what approach to take. And that's the bottom line that you see there, that you let the other person's response determine your approach. 
Let the other person's response determine your approach. Then you'll be using the right tool for the job and you're more likely to have a successful conversation and be able to go forward from there. So this concept and these different kinds of people are all throughout the scriptures, particularly, like I said, in the book of Proverbs. We're just going to look at one passage that gives you the example, an example of how this works. This is Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 to 12. I'll read it to you, and then I'll point out some of these different people and their different characteristics. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 to 12. Anyone who rebukes a mocker that's one type of person, will get an insult in return. Anyone, the parallel phrase here, anyone that corrects the wicked, that's the evil person, will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you, but correct the wise and they will love you. See, he's giving you some insight. You're not going to do this because this is the kind of person you're dealing with. You are going to do this when you're dealing with this kind of person. He goes on, verse 9. Instruct the wise, and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, wisdom you will be the one to suffer. So, Let's look at these three different types of, of people and how you approach each of them a little bit differently. But that brings up an interesting question. If you have to give correction to somebody and you really don't know how they're going to respond, you don't know what kind of track record because you haven't dealt with them before, where do you start? What is the starting point? And so we get from... 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a little bit of insight into how we're supposed to, to get started, and that is to assume the best. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, of course, that's the love chapter. It's talking about the different characteristics of love. One of those, love never stops believing the best for others, 1 Corinthians 13, 7. So, when you're starting out, you're going to take the approach, you're going to give the person the benefit of the, bout, of the doubt, that they're going to respond with wisdom. And so you use the first approach. And then if you find out that you're wrong and if you get the other kind of response, then you can adjust your approach accordingly. So what do you start with? What does the wise person do when he or she is corrected? Well, the approach that you're going to take is to keep talking. So you see that at the top of that second page. When you're dealing with somebody who's exhibiting wise behavior, you're going to keep talking. Why? Proverbs 9.9. When you instruct the wise, they will be even wiser. In other words, when you give insight, when you give correction, when you give feedback to someone who is responding with wisdom, they are going to benefit from it. They're going to be helped by it because they're going to receive it. They're going to be humble. They're going to be teachable. They're going to do something with it. Instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. And while they might not it might not feel great because we're not talking about how you feel about it. Nobody likes to be corrected. But in the end, they're going to be grateful for it because they recognize that you're trying to help them and it's going to be helpful to them. 
Proverbs 9, 8, B says, but correct the wise and they will love you. They're going to love you for it. They're going to be thankful. They're going to take it to heart. So when you're dealing with somebody who will take it to heart and will listen, then the right approach is to keep talking. If an issue comes up, then you can have the conversation. They will receive it. They'll take it to heart and they'll do something with it. So with wise behavior, you keep talking. However, Perhaps you're not dealing with somebody who is responding with wise behavior. The second category is foolish behavior. Now, we've used before the, the definition of a fool is somebody who knows the right thing and then doesn't do it. He gives a little bit more of a different nuance to it, and that is that they, they don't see reality clearly. That might be why they're not responding correctly, because there's something that's distorted about their picture of reality. And when you give correction to someone who is going to exhibit foolish behavior, they don't take it to heart, most likely because they don't take responsibility. They don't take personal responsibility for it. It's always the situation or what other people did or I'm not responsible for that because of they tend to try to shift blame and point to outside reasons as to why there is a problem. Uh, it's called uh, uh, determining where your locus of control is. If a person is successful and is responding with maturity, generally they're going to take personal responsibility. They feel responsible for their choices and the direction of their life. However, a person who is foolish or immature is always going to locate that focus of control, that locus of control outside of themselves. They're just helpless. They're, they're responding to and a victim of circumstances. So they are not going to receive instruction. They're not going to take it to heart because ultimately they believe that there's nothing for them to do. It's something that's happening to them. It's something that's outside. So if you keep talking to a person like that, you're going to be just more and more frustrated because they're not going to receive it because they don't think that there's a problem. So if with a wise person, it makes sense to keep talking. With a foolish person, he prescribes that you stop talking because it's not going to do any good. You have to take a different approach. And he suggests a two-prong approach. And we'll see, again, examples of that in the scripture. The first thing that you have to do in a situation like that is set limits to protect yourself. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Uh, that's very interesting because it says if you hang out with wise people, you're going to be wise. If you hang out with foolish people, it doesn't say you're going to become foolish. It says you're going to get injured. <laughs> you're going to suffer harm. In other words, a person who is foolish, who doesn't take responsibility, there's going to be collateral damage in their life. And if you're close to it and their life explodes, you're going to receive some of the shrapnel. So you have to set limits to protect yourself. Um, I remember early on in our marriage, I'm going to tell a marriage story soon, <laughs> it's Reflects well on you, poorly on me. That's the safe one to do. <laughs> when we were newly married, I was a young man, and like many young men that I know, I had a problem with anger. And uh, early in our marriage, I got mad about something. I don't remember what it was, but the end result was that there was a hole in our wall in our mobile home. 
So that's, that's not a big deal. It was a little thin wall, and I punched my fist through it. And I think we placed a picture frame very strategically after that and eventually repaired it. But my anger got out of control. And uh, that, I'm sure, was not the first time that that happened. But I remember very clearly that Sue Ellen sat me down, and we had a conversation. And she said something along the lines of, I grew up in, an, in a household where there was a lot of anger. I'm not willing for that to be the case in our household, so I really need you to do something to address this. Now, what was she doing? She was setting limits. She wasn't threatening divorce. Divorce has never been an option for us. She wasn't making any threats. She was just saying, look, I, I need to protect myself. I need to set a limit, and this can't continue so I need you to address it. That was exactly the right thing to do. And of course, you know, I, over time I got better, we corrected the, the we, f we fixed the hole in the wall and that hasn't happened since. <laughs> but that's an example of setting an appropriate limit because when a person won't take responsibility, then you could end up being collateral damage. And so it's perfectly appropriate and necessary for you to set that limit. Uh, I put there, you can't change another person, but you can set limits on how much damage they do. So don't be collateral damage to someone else's train wreck. The other thing that you can do, in addition to setting limits, is determine consequences for that person to prompt change. Determine consequences to prompt change. Hardship, difficulty, pain can apprentice us. It can teach us. Sometimes there are natural consequences for our behavior, and that's great. You know, we'll suffer and learn from that. Sometimes you can determine consequences. You can say, you know, if this continues to happen, then this is what's going to be the result. Because that pain, when the person isn't taking responsibility for it, will sometimes prompt that change. This is described in Hebrews 12, 7, where it says, endure hardship as discipline. Look at what it says there. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? That's Hebrews 12, 7. What he's saying there is, yes, sometimes you're going to encounter difficulty in your life. God won't necessarily rescue you from it, but what he can do and sometimes will do is he will disciple you. He will train you. He will apprentice you through those hardships and difficulties. And if you won't listen sometimes, then the pain that you experience will train you and get you back on the right direction. So sometimes when we're dealing with people, if they won't listen, if talking doesn't do any good, you've got to stop talking and set limits to protect yourself and determine consequences because sometimes that's the only thing that will prompt change. Then lastly, and it's hard for us to understand that and believe that sometimes because it is so far from our personal experience and our approach, but sometimes you will deal with and encounter evil people. Now, we're going to give people the benefit of the, uh, of the doubt. We're not going to assume that that's their starting point, but eventually you may find that some people are not just foolish. They are actually evil. They are setting out to do you harm and destroy things, to harm people and destroy things. 
And so what do you do in that situation? You end it. You draw a line in the sand. You do not continue in that relationship. You have to end it. In the passage that we looked at, Proverbs 9, 7 says, anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. Uh, You can talk to the wise. They'll listen. They'll do something with it. They'll take it to heart. You can draw limits and set consequences for someone who is responding with foolish behavior. But if you try to correct someone who is truly evil, you're just going to get hurt. So I love this passage, and it, it was very shocking when he gave this talk and he came to this part. Uh, but he did it on purpose. He tried to shock us on purpose, and I'll just read to you the way that he describes what he does when he's giving this talk or presenting this material. He says, this is the, the beginning of the passage on evil people. Sometimes in a workshop or leadership training, in teaching about these three categories of people, I'll summarize the methods of dealing with them like this in order to introduce the concept of the evil person. Number one, with wise people, talk to them. Give them resources. You will get a return. With foolish people, number two, stop talking to them about problems. They aren't listening. And stop supplying resources. They squander them. Instead, give them limits and consequences. Number three, with evil people, to quote a Warren Zevon song, the strategy is lawyers, guns, and money. The reason? You have to go into protection mode, not helping mode with when dealing with evil people. Lawyers, guns, and money usually gets their attention. And of course, it does. So uh, what is he talking about there? He's saying in those extreme situations where you're dealing with people who are out to do you harm or destroy things, then you have to move from helping mode because that's what we've been talking about so far. When you give correction, you're trying to help the person. You're trying to restore the relationship. So you either keep talking or stop talking. But at this point, you're not helping anymore. You're shifting into protection mode. You have to shift into protection mode. It says, use your lawyers, law enforcement. That's the gun part. Just to be clear, we're not talking about taking the law into your own hands. Uh, Use law enforcement. That's the guns part. And your financial resources to make sure that you will not be hurt by someone who is trying to destroy you or the things that matter to you. And I think that's, um, that's one of the things that has been most helpful to me when I'm thinking about, because, you know, as believers, we're always reminded we're supposed to turn the other cheek. You know, you, you question, how much do I put up with the pain that an evil person can create in your life? And I, and I think that part of that equation is that for many of us, we have responsibility for others as well. We are business owners. We are bosses. We are uh, mothers and fathers. We are husbands and wives. We have responsibility for others and to others. Myself, as a pastor, I have responsibility to all of you that if somebody comes into the church and is trying to do harm, I have to move into protection mode. And so that might help you as well because when you are turning the other cheek, if that means that somebody else that you're responsible for or responsible to is going to get hurt, then that might not be the best approach. So you shift into 
protection mode. And uh, this is actually described in the Bible for pastors in particular. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter of instruction and help to his apprentice, Timothy. And this is what he says about handling divisiveness in the church. It says in Titus 3.10, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. So already there's, there's a lot of grace. A person is creating division, creating factions, stirring up trouble in the church. And so he says, give them a warning. You know, start with grace. Assume the best. Talk to them. And then if that doesn't work, then give them a second warning. He's giving a lot of grace. He's going the extra mile for someone who is doing real harm and damage in the church. But then he says, after that, end it. Have nothing to do with them. End it. You have nothing to do with them. Why? Because Titus, as a pastor, you have to protect your flock. You have to go into protection mode. You don't let somebody come in and just destroy the flock. You move into protection mode. You warn them, but then eventually you're going to end it. So, uh, with a wise person, they're going to take it to heart. You can keep talking. With a foolish person, they're always going to shift the blame or responsibility outside of themselves, and so you have to come up with limits and set consequences. And with an evil person, you are going to move from helping mode into protection mode, and you end it. You limit the amount of damage that they can do. Now, to bring this around to a close, I want to shift our perspective for a little while because if we were honest if we shift the perspective around there have been times where each of us have probably been corrected and we have responded in one of those three ways and probably all of those three ways from time to time sometimes we are humble and teachable and we take what we hear to heart it might take us a little bit of time but eventually we come around uh, for some of us We've it, it, w there have been times where we shift into blaming mode and even sometimes where there's a little bit of evil that takes root, bitterness, anger, frustration, and revenge or envy or whatever takes root in our hearts and we have done harm to others. The good news is, and this is the probably the best thing about this message, is it's not just good advice. We're talking about the best advice I ever got. There are all kinds of good, there's all kinds of good advice in the Bible. But the message of the Bible is actually the good news. It's the good news that whatever is broken in our heart can be repaired. And so there are times where we shift blame. There are times where we even perhaps sometimes choose evil or have done in our lives. But the good news is that Jesus Christ can change our hearts. He can make us teachable. He can make us wise. He can give us the humility that we need to accept correction in a way that takes it to heart. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it, um, there's this little phrase that, that I think encapsulates this. It says in verse 24, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The power of God and the wisdom of God. And I love that because when you apply that to what we've been talking about,
Christ is the power of God. When you say yes to Jesus, when he comes into your life and changes you from the inside out, he can take a foolish person and an evil person and make them into a wise person. He has power to change the human heart. And as we say yes to him, as we surrender to him, as he leads us, then he is going to do that work in us so that, among other things, when people correct us, we respond in wisdom and humility. His power is such that he can change our hearts. And this should also give us hope in dealing with others as well. These are not hard and fast categories of people as much as they are different way, different types of behavior. And the power of God is such that he can change us with his power. And then the second thing it says is that Christ is the wisdom of God. And I take encouragement from that in that as we deal with different people, he is going to give us the wisdom and insight that we need in order to respond appropriately. Respond appropriately to correction, yes, but also respond to the different types of people that we deal with with wisdom so that we'll know exactly the right approach to take based on what we see from their response. So my challenge to us for this week is to take this to heart and to apply it, to adjust our approach in both giving and receiving correction. Probably, for some of you, you've realized, oh, that's why I've been frustrated in that relationship. I've been applying the hammer approach to a person who is going to respond like a nut and bolt. You know, that's just not going to work. Uh, and we're going to adapt. You can adjust your approach. You can set limits. You can come up with consequences. Or you recognize that this person is actually trying to do you harm, and you adjust your approach. So you're going, you can adjust your approach in the giving, and God will give you the wisdom to know how to approach that. And then secondly, in the receiving part of it, to examine and think about who, who are the people that have been trying to tell me something trying to give me insight, trying to help me, trying to give me correction or redirection. But I've been prideful. I've been blaming. I've been pointing to other situations or people instead of taking it to heart and taking responsibility. The Lord will give you the power to receive that with humility to get the insight that you need, and to respond appropriately. So we adjust our approach in both giving and receiving feedback and correction. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you encountered in us foolishness and evil, and you still went to the cross sacrificed your son, did everything possible and necessary in us to be for, for us to be forgiven and to have a new, fresh start and to write a new end to our story. Thank you. I pray, Lord, that you would give us that same kind of grace when we're dealing with others, regardless of how they respond to us, that we will always start out hoping for the best, believing the best, 
And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to discern the right approach and have the humility to receive correction well. And I pray particularly that you would give each one of us individual, personalized insight into what we need to know from what we've heard this today and what we need to do with what we've heard. I thank you for this. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.